listening to Nightlight. Hello and welcome to a special edition of Nightlight. I almost always say special edition, but it's true because for one reason or another, the Lord helps make each show special and unique in some way. This show is special because I'm speaking to you from a special place where I love to come one or two times a year to get away from the madding crowd and to spend some special quiet time with the Lord in his beautiful creation on the Sessi Islands in Lake Victoria. So if you can hear the noises of tropical birds in the background, that's because I'm sitting outside in what I like to call my enchanted forest, just behind the little cottage where I'm staying. And I'm sitting on a log with my computer on my lap. And thanks to modern technology, I'm able to speak from here to our guest on the show, Steve Gilb over Skype. Hi, Steve. Nice to have you back on the show. Lovely to be back here with you all again, Simon. Where are you speaking to us from? Once again, I'm in Fort Wayne, Indiana, here in the United States. Uh, last time I was on the show, it was uh, summer, I think, and now it's kind of mid-fall, getting close to winter. Uh, we haven't gotten any snow yet, but it's definitely cooling down. The leaves are definitely all fallen. We have a guest tonight on Nightlight. Steve, in case, listeners, you missed the previous Nightlight show that Steve was on, has been blind from birth. And on Nightlight show number 132, I think that was in October 2016, Steve shared with us the trials and victories of being blind. And he also shared a few of his songs with us. And Steve, I hope you have your guitar with you because I'm going to ask you to play a couple more. Sure. But on this show... I want to focus on showcasing some of the excellent inspirational articles that you've written in recent years. And if you would like, you can read them yourself. Gladly. But first, as we usually do, let's start with a song. And I understand that you have a song, Steve, that was recently produced by a friend in his studio. Why don't we kick off the show with that one? It's Nightlight. What a delight. This Way is a song that I wrote, I think, probably about 10 years ago, more or less, at a time when I was upset over, over it not working out for me to play at a musical gig that I was really hoping to get to play at. It was a teen youth camp, Christian youth camp. Um, and, you know, I was, I was disappointed, and I thought that uh, the reasons for my not being able to play there as I had hoped were unfair. The Lord gave me this song to help give me the, the victory and be happy anyway.
Yeah, though this life can have its rough spots There's always so much to be thankful for It doesn't days are better than others I can't ignore the reports that come from living life this way There's always so much to be thankful That's terrific. I love that sort of punk rock boy band style, whatever you want to call it. Reminds me of some of the songs of Steve McNair and his boys down in Japan. So, Steve, you oversaw the production of this song from afar. How did that work? Oh, yes. I, I oversaw the recording from, from the city where I was living in since my good friend Sam Fuller, who actually produced and sang the song, was living in a different city. Um, he just sort of asked me what I thought of the the different components of the songs, like the the guitar tracks, the the drums, and the vocals, and everything. And he's a great producer, and he he did a great job. We really didn't have we really didn't have a lot of uh, things to iron out when it came to putting the song together. And I I enjoyed it a lot. We just kept in communication via phone and email, and nailed it down pretty much like that. Feeling all right while listening to Nightlight. Okay, Steve, let's get to the first of your inspirations. I know you've had a very fruitful ministry as a writer, which I can imagine is not easy to do if you can't see. But now you're also actually going to read a pick of your inspirations on the show. And I can't even imagine how you can do that. But please introduce your first one. Yes, the first one is Beyond Sight. And it tells of how I came to terms with my blindness and made the choice not to complain about it, nor let it stop me from leading a fulfilled, productive life. But I also want to clarify that while I believed for quite a while that I would be this way for the rest of my life, I have recently heard the Lord telling me, even since last time I was on the show, that the time is coming when my blindness will be healed. So I'm expecting that miracle, and meanwhile, I still strive to follow the basic principles shared in this article, such as perseverance, thankfulness, and seeing with the eyes of the Spirit and of faith. Life is full of challenges of many kinds. For some, the most monumental ones present themselves a good ways down the road. In my case, life's main challenge made itself known shortly after I was born and remains with me to this day. I am blind. Doctors were never able to determine the exact cause for my blindness and could do nothing to remedy it. But the impact of this disability was especially painful during childhood. One occasion stands out. I was seven. My family would read to me from the Bible and I was accustomed to sometimes holding the book in my hands. Then my parents ordered a Braille Bible. Rather than a single volume, my fingers now touched a pile of 18 huge volumes. What's more, each page had line after line of dots across it. I couldn't comprehend how these seemingly meaningless dots could in any way be associated with the verses I listened to as my parents read to me from their Bible. There were many other moments that brought home the reality of my situation, 
such as the inability to participate in many of the recreational activities of my peers, or being unable to fully understand conversations that were centered around color, fashion, and other things that require vision. There was also my greater need for assistance from others in day-to-day -day life, and the list goes on. The realization that I lacked a physical sense possessed by everyone else around me was a painful one. Around the same time, my parents received a letter from some missionaries who had heard about me and had been praying for me. They had asked God for insight into my situation, and He had spoken to them. He told them it was certainly in His power to give me sight, but He planned to use me just as I was. He likened my situation to that of the Apostle Paul with his thorn in the flesh, described in 2 Corinthians 12, 7-10, and encouraged me to walk by faith, not by sight. This gave me a new perspective. My mother, the determined soul that she was, found a book about the Braille system and studied it until she was able to read Braille by sight. She then set to work on teaching me to read it with my fingers. It was a tedious task, but in a little over three months, I was reading. The years that followed saw many other challenges and victories. I learned to play various musical instruments and have since used this gift to bring people into God's kingdom. When I was 20, my mother passed away and I found myself at the bottom of a deep valley. Although with time I managed to pull myself out of it, I failed to fully accept what had happened. Later, God drew my attention to the need to exercise more gratitude toward Him, not just when things were turning out right, but even regarding my losses. When I did, through my tears, He in turn washed away my resentment, pain, and hurt in a flood of joy that cannot be explained in earthly terms. That was when the message contained in 2 Corinthians 5-7, we live by faith, not by sight, took on a new meaning. Only after I walked by faith, through giving thanks for those things that I had previously not been able to thank God for, could I be rewarded with the marvelous gift of seeing with the soul that would propel me into a deeper relationship with the one who knows, loves, and cares like no one else. I am of the opinion that we all face a universal challenge, learning to look beyond what we perceive in the physical through eyesight or logic, and instead to see with the eyes of faith. The question isn't whether or not we are capable of this, but rather whether or not we are willing to take it on. If we choose to allow the Creator to open the eyes of our soul and enhance our vision, we will find ourselves in a new and limitless world with endless possibilities. When outward strength is broken, faith rests on the promises. In the midst of sorrow, faith draws the sting out of trouble and takes out the bitterness from every affliction. Richard Cecil Build this day on a foundation of pleasant thoughts. Never fret at any imperfections that you fear may impede your progress. Remind yourself, as often as necessary, that you are a creature of God and have the power to achieve any dream by lifting up your thoughts. You can fly when you decide that you can. Never consider yourself defeated again. Let the vision in your heart be in your life's blueprint. Og Mandino Even the night can be bright when you switch on your nightlight. And you're listening to a special edition of Nightlight coming to you from the paradise of the Sesse Islands in Lake Victoria, 
from where I'm speaking over Skype to Steve Gilb in Fort Wayne, Indiana. And Steve is sharing with us a pick of the inspirations that he's written in recent years, many of them sharing the lessons and experiences he's had in being blind from birth. Now, he's also going to sing a couple of songs live on the show. But before that, Steve, maybe you could introduce and read your second inspiration, which I believe is titled Focus on the Goal. Yeah, any kind of goal and objective we try to reach can often be exciting and challenging at the start, but can grow tedious and tiring after a while, just like when running a race. But Focus on the Goal talks about keeping ourselves motivated by fixing our eyes on the objective and imagining ourselves having reached it until we see our imagination become reality. It's one thing to dream of reaching a goal or accomplishing something. This is an important first step. For some, it may be the pursuit of a new endeavor. For others, it could be acquiring a new skill. For yet others, it might be making changes in habit or lifestyle. Whatever the case, effort, perseverance, and often sacrifice are required in order for our dreams to become reality. Once we realize this, it's up to us as individuals to decide how determined we are to reach our goal, whatever it may be, and how much we're willing to give of ourselves in order to see our dreams fulfilled. This is where the importance of motivation comes in. My mother was very consistent when it came to teaching me to read Braille despite my lack of motivation and desire at the start. That is, until I heard about other blind children my age who had tackled this challenge and were now able to read their favorite books and stories on their own. From that point on, I diligently applied myself to learning Braille, which took a little over three months. But because I was so intently focused on the objective, these three months seemed like mere weeks. Once I could read Braille, learning to write it went even quicker. When I was about six, I'd hear my two older brothers play the guitar and I'd dream of being able to do so myself someday. But when one of them actually handed me a guitar and tried to give me my first lesson, I got frustrated and said, forget it. Not only did my fingers hurt from pressing the strings, but it seemed impossible to remember so many different finger positions for all the chords. It was not until I was 12 that I made a conscious decision to learn to play the guitar regardless of the initial difficulty. I paid close attention to what I was being taught and practiced what I learned. Sure, there were moments of frustration, and I occasionally tired of the effort, but I kept thinking about the goal I was striving toward. This spurred me on and kept me inspired. And in a little over a year, I was playing music with my brothers. Today, I'm still learning new things about guitar playing, and looking back, I'm so glad I set this goal when I was 12 and that I worked toward it. That's all right, you may say, but there are some goals that are more enjoyable to strive toward than others. That's definitely true. For me, learning to play musical instruments was far more enjoyable than trying to lose weight. When I was 20, my mother passed away from cancer. As a way of dealing with my pain, I took refuge in excessive eating and did little to no exercise. I felt justified in this considering the emotional stress I was under but I began to steadily gain weight. My family doctor told me that although I wasn't obese, I ran the risk of soon becoming so if I didn't start eating less and exercising more. Following the doctor's instruction was a hard pill to swallow in the beginning, 
but when I started thinking ahead to the future, I realized that I knew, at least second-hand, some of the health risks of obesity, and I didn't want to experience them for myself. I also realized that if I took the steps the doctor was suggesting now, I could avoid having to make drastic diet changes later on. I set to work on eating less and exercising more. Within about a month, not only was I able to bring my weight down to a healthier level, I found my emotional state to be much improved as well. Today, I love exercise and no longer have to watch my weight. Looking ahead to the goal and imagining having reached it is an excellent way to stay motivated. In Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, Paul encourages us to take a lesson from Jesus. Let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus kept his eyes on the goal of fulfilling his mission on earth and was undeterred by all the mistreatment he suffered, including death itself. And because of this, we have salvation and eternal life in him today. What then is the secret to successfully reaching the goals we set? As I see it, it's looking beyond the tedium, work, and sacrifice involved, and looking ahead with our focus on reaching that finish line. Let us not get tired of doing what is right, for after a while we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't get discouraged and give up. Galatians 6, 9. Steve, the last time you were on the show, you sang a couple of acoustic songs, which was really refreshing, because I think it was the first time anyone sang actually live on the show. And I'm excited that you're going to sing a couple more. Would you like to introduce the first one? Of course. I want to start with this one, which um, I think goes, in, goes hand in hand with this next article that I want to introduce. Um, it is called The One I Can Run To. I wrote it, as with most of the songs, I'm playing on this show. I wrote it when I was a teenager of about 15, and I was having some battles, and I was kind of up and down emotionally. It came to me one night when I was just lying in bed, resting and trying to hear the Lord's voice, uh, trying to get some of His calm and peace, and I'm happy to share it on the show. When I feel like my strength is gone And I've spent it all Alone in the quiet of the night To you I call And you pick me up in your arms And whisper in my ear Do not be afraid I'm always near Yes, you're the one I can run to Whenever things are going wrong And I know I can call on your name When the battle's fierce and long 
And whenever I'm weary You pick me up and you carry me I have no need to fear Cause you're always here yeah. The thought of you lightens my load And makes it easy to bear and when I feel your tender touch, it takes away all my care. And whenever I lie in your arms, I know that everything's fine. Cause all of my worry is taken away when you ease my mind. Yes, you're the Whenever things are going wrong And I know I can call on your name When the battle's fierce and long And whenever I'm weary You pick me up and you carry me I have no need to fear Cause you're always here yeah. You're the one I can run to Whenever things are going wrong And I know I can call on your name When the battle's fierce and long And whenever I'm weary You pick me up and you carry me I have no need to fear Cause you're always here yeah. With music to calm and soothe your soul You're listening to Nightlight Thanks, Steve. That was a terrific song. And you said in your introduction uh, before the song that it goes along with your next inspiration. Yeah, sometimes we come before the Lord for help and insight about life's problems and situations, and we're perfectly still and silent in the physical. But as this article tells, I came to learn that true quietness goes quite a bit deeper and further than that. True Quietness Some time ago, I found myself facing a situation that was beyond my ability to resolve. Alone in the stillness of the night, I racked my brain for a solution and finally sent up a prayer for direction. As I lay on my bed, waiting to hear an answer, there was only silence. My patience started to wear thin, and just as I was about to get up for a glass of water, the still, small voice spoke. Are you sure you are being totally quiet and still? Of course I am, I beamed back. I've been lying here all this time, perfectly still and silent, hearing absolutely nothing. 
The silence is driving me nuts. Your body may be perfectly still and silent, God said, but what about your mind? Just like that, I quickly and clearly saw why I felt so exhausted in spite of my outward stillness and quietness. Inwardly, I was racked with mental anxiety, trying to come up with the answers I needed. I finally put on the brakes in my mind, gradually slowing down until I came to a complete stop. I'd had no idea how fast my mind had been racing. It felt good to now be mentally still, and I savored the peace that flooded me as my heart and mind began to relax. In my new state of mind, I was also able to savor the silence every minute of it. I eventually received the answers I sought, but not before discovering that true quietness and confidence is that of the heart and mind, not just the body. By nature, I am active mentally, always planning, analyzing, reflecting, and pondering. And yes, I do my share of worrying and fretting as well. This experience is one that I have had to repeat a fair few times in my life, as God continues to remind me that true quietness and stillness is that of the heart and spirit. This is the type of quietness that allows God to move on our behalf. Through it, battles are won, needs are provided, and answers are found. Most important of all, our relationship with Jesus is strengthened, and our connection with Him is made clear. Bringing you peace in the midst of the storm. You're listening to Nightlight. And that was the third of six inspirations written by Steve Gill, True quietness and to get quiet with the Lord is why for the past 15 or so years I've come once or twice a year to my secret place here on Sesse Islands in Lake Victoria to spend time with the Lord get my faith vision inspiration renewed and that's why you can hear birds in the background because I'm sitting outside under a tree in a beautiful forest and talking to Steve over Skype Nightlight's Interview of the Week. All right, Steve, back to you and your next inspiration, which if I look at the list that you sent me, is called Raised by Praise. With Raised by Praise, uh, the Bible has much to say about the importance of praising God and giving thanks in everything. Putting this important principle into practice has truly done me a world of good, as you'll see from listening to this article. When hearing the word praise in a spiritual context, many of us might associate it with worship in a church service, or perhaps even personal gratitude to Jesus. And we wouldn't be wrong. This is no doubt praising God. But the act of praising goes much further and deeper than that. Praise is commonly defined as to express warm approval or admiration of, but as I see it, when we praise the Lord, be it in word, in song, or however we choose to do it, we are expressing more than simple approval or admiration. We are expressing genuine thankfulness and gratitude to the Lord, and this genuine gratefulness is something we offer at all times. It's easy to be genuinely grateful when things are going well for us, but a quote I committed to memory when I was a child says, there are two times to praise the Lord. When you feel like it, and when you don't feel like it. Okay, we may say, 
But where exactly does the Bible say that we should praise the Lord even when we don't feel like it? The great king and psalmist David wrote, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Can blessing the Lord at all times mean only praising or blessing Him during the good times? Habakkuk 3:17 and 18 says, Though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. It's perfectly natural not to feel like praising the Lord in unpleasant or painful circumstances. To some, it may even seem harsh, cruel, or unreasonable. But in doing so, we manifest our faith in God to work in those situations and bring about His will. Merlin Carruthers repeatedly touches on this point in his two books, Prison to Praise and Power in Praise. When I first read through those books, I viewed the message as interesting and perhaps nice to review from time to time. However, the message came to life for me when one day I hit upon a painful spot in my life. This experience left me devastated and I had no idea how I'd pull through. Desperate for something to hang on to, I dug through these books once again. As I read through the biblical examples and present-day testimonies of how lives and situations were drastically changed by the simple act of praising, I knew I had found an effective remedy for my pain. It became clear to me that although I had no way of knowing how God would improve my situation, I could be assured that He would somehow work it out for good if I would simply praise Him in every circumstance, no matter how difficult. Simple as this sounded in theory, I knew it would be tougher to do and that I would need some steel determination to act on it. But I was willing to put in the effort, knowing that the only other option was defeat and continued depression. I told the Lord over and over that I was thankful for the loss He had allowed me to experience, and at first it felt as if I was going through the motions saying those words of praise to God. But the more I stuck with it, the more I became genuinely thankful for the good I was beginning to see come through this circumstance. Although the fight between my natural mind and the mind of God was intense at times, I continued to praise the Lord. Although the physical circumstances did not change, my attitude toward them changed drastically as I saw myself growing closer to the Lord and climbing to peaks of peace and happiness that had previously seemed beyond my reach. Just as Jonah was spit out of the belly of the whale by praising the Lord, which I'm sure was the last thing he felt like doing, I too was lifted out of the pit of sorrow and heartbreak straight into the Lord's presence, which was becoming more and more tangible each day. I was inspired to share with others the amazing results of this praise power and motivate them to put it into action in their own lives. Many did, and as a result, their lives were miraculously transformed. For instance, I met a woman who was in much deeper than I'd ever been as far as difficulties go. Her brother had recently died a tragic death. Although she loved the Lord, deep down inside, this painful incident had caused her to feel resentful toward God. Furthermore, her relationship with her fiancé was strained. I told her of how my life was changing, and I sent her a copy of Power in Praise, and encouraged her to study it carefully and see how she could apply it to her life. She, too, began to praise God through the pain she was going through, as well as the difficulties with her fiancé. She soon felt the presence of the Lord comforting her, and gradually forsook her feelings of resentment and grew closer to Him. 
It also strengthened her relationship with her fiancé, and now they are happily married and growing in their faith together. It's easy to feel resentful toward God when unfair and even downright cruel circumstances occur, but resentment blocks the flow of God's power in our lives. Last year, my praise life came to a standstill when my dad lost sight in his right eye due to a retinal detachment which the surgeons were unable to correctly repair. We laid hands on my dad's eye, earnestly claiming God's healing, but nothing changed. To me, it seemed unfair that while I had prayed for so many others to be healed and had seen those prayers wonderfully answered, our prayers for my dad seemed to go unheard. Was God getting selective on me? What was the deal? From then on, for a little over a year, I limped through my life of service for the Lord, going about my ministry with a sense of duty rather than out of a genuine love for Him. I soured on praying for people to be healed. God's power was severely blocked in my life, and I knew it. When I finally forsook my feelings of resentment and ill will toward God and began to praise Him from my heart, he asked me if I'd be willing to step out once more and pray for the sick to be healed. I agreed, and almost immediately I received an email from a friend in another country informing me that he'd been diagnosed with lymphoma and was in need of urgent treatment. Over the phone, I talked to him and his wife about the power of giving thanks in everything. I also encouraged them to put this challenging yet effective principle into action. They began to consistently thank God through the shocking diagnosis, and this filled them with an increased peace and certainty that He was in control. I also prayed for my friend over the phone, thanking the Lord for allowing this situation in his life and working things out for good. Then I prayed that God would walk with him through the treatment and that the cancer would leave his body. About a month later, after my friend's first chemotherapy treatment, I received another email from him bearing the news that tests had shown that the cancer was now gone. Are you looking for a remedy for your pain, discouragement, or despair? Keep your hands, and most of all your heart, raised in praise to the Lord, and you will in turn be raised to higher ground. Don't allow the seeming hopelessness of your situation to keep you from praising God. As the song, Praise You in This Storm by Casting Crowns goes, and I'll praise you in this storm, and I will lift my hands. For you are who you are, no matter where I am. And every tear I cry, you hold in your hand. You never left my side. And though my heart is torn, I will praise you in this storm. Inspiring you to draw closer to God, you're listening to Nightlight. Steve, thanks so much for sharing with us these feeding articles that you've written over recent years and that have been published in the Activated magazine and other places. Would you like to share one more before you go into your next song? I like the title of this one. It's called The Comparing Illness. A Soundbite with Nightlight. I used to continually compare myself with other people until I eventually realized how much this tendency was hindering me and holding me back from truly living life to the full. This article, The Comparing Illness, talks about how God helped me overcome this tendency 
Though it still knocks at my door from time to time, it no longer afflicts me to the degree it used to. Who has not compared with other people at some point in life? The tendency to do so is commonplace. But what a debilitating illness this tendency can become if not remedied. The tendency to compare is often triggered by seeing others around us who in some way or another seem to be better off than we are. Some people seem to be more gifted or privileged, making us wish we could match up to them. But more often than not, when we are so busy comparing, we often fail to realize that with every privilege comes a price. Having been blind since birth, I've compared myself with the sighted, thinking they must be more capable and have fewer limitations than I do, etc. But some sighted folks have told me they envy me in some ways, since I am spared many adverse and unpleasant effects of sight. One thing I saw as a drawback of my blindness, for instance, is my inability to drive. But after someone once told me, you ought to be glad you are spared the stress and responsibility of driving, I realized that there was another angle to look at it from. My whole life I've dreamed of one day playing in a band. I love the feeling of being on stage, playing alongside other musicians. Hearing the different sounds blend together and feeling the vibrations was almost as thrilling a prospect to me as a trip to the moon might be. When my older brother had the opportunity to play in a band, he immediately became the one I compared with. I sulked over how privileged he seemed to be while I was missing out. My brother did nothing to make me feel this way. On the contrary, he tried to persuade me that playing in a band wasn't all that it may appear to be. It starts out fun and exciting, he said, but eventually you lose that initial high and it becomes stressful. Personality clashes rear up and it often ends up being more laborious than exciting. I appreciated his candor, but it didn't truly hit home until I joined a band down the line and came to experience his very words for myself. Along with other factors, I realized that being part of a band wasn't for me. Now the desire to play in a band no longer exists, and when someone tells me they wish they could perform and play musical instruments like I can, I reply something similar to what my brother told me. By saying the above, I don't dismiss the fact that driving has its benefits and that being in a band can be thrilling and satisfying. I am only bringing up some alternative perspectives to consider for those who have found themselves in similar positions of envy and comparing and sharing with you what helped me overcome the unpleasant and ineffective feelings of comparing. An effective remedy to unhealthy comparing that has worked for me is to reverse the scenario and compare ourselves with people who appear to have it worse than I do. I was confronted with this when I attended a computer course at a school for the blind. Many of my fellow students had lost their sight as a result of accidents or sickness that had also caused them considerable trauma in other ways as well. I quickly realized how fortunate I was to not have gone through those experiences. It's easy to start wishing we could in some way be like others around us, but if this wish came true, there would be nothing unique about us. In my opinion, individuality and variety are two things that considerably spice up our existence. In their absence, life would be dull, monotonous, and boring. I came to see that when we allow ourselves to compare with others, we're actually contending with our Creator acting as if we should have a say in the matter of our creation and formation. 
This tendency can be effectively counteracted by praise and gratitude. Giving thanks for my peculiarities and even the idiosyncrasies that I want to overcome has truly boosted my self-esteem. While preparing to write this piece, I started to think of Jesus who was tempted in all points just as we are. That being the case, I figured he must have been tempted with comparing, although I couldn't think of any specific biblical record of this. But then I remembered the time when the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. I considered the possibility of Jesus having been tempted to compare himself with these earthly kingdoms and their kings who had earthly glory and the respect of all their subjects, while less than a handful of people respected Jesus and saw him for who he really was. Satan told him that these kingdoms and their glory could all be his if he'd simply fall down and worship him. Of course, Jesus didn't entertain the temptation to compare, much less accept the tempter's offer, or we would not have any savior. Even today, Satan still tries to persuade us to travel paths that seem appealing at first glance. What he fails to tell us is where such paths lead to, places where we'll linger in dissatisfaction, depression, and despair. Instead of comparing ourselves with others, we ought to strive for the attitude expressed in Psalm 139:14, I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. We ought to strive to see God's fingerprints both on ourselves and those around us. You may be able to think of a host of things that afflict you and hold you back from discovering your true potential. Could your main affliction possibly be nothing more than the comparing illness? If so, go on the attack and be cured of it. As the singer Stephen Curtis Chapman put in one of his songs, Fingerprints of God, you're a masterpiece that all creation quietly applauds, and you're covered with the fingerprints of God. It's always bright when you're listening to Nightlight. Steve, I think this may be a good place for you to share with us another song, if you'd like to introduce it first. As I explained earlier, my teenage years were a bit of a up-and-down roller coaster, like they are for a lot of teens even nowadays. But the song Source was my way of thanking the Lord for getting me through those times, which were pretty well past when this song came to me when I was about 16. And it, it just celebrates how good the Lord is to us and all that he is. Times I've been through fire Times I've been through rain Times I've been through strong winds But when I called you always came Times I've been in darkness But you led me back to light Times I've been lost and lonely You're the source of all power And strength comes from your hand 
love and serve Jesus more. You're listening to Nightlight. Steve, since the last time that you were on the Nightlight show, is there anything new that you'd like to share that's been happening in your life? Most definitely the something new and different that has happened in my life, as I mentioned earlier in the show and in the introduction to the first article, is my new hope, my newfound hope of receiving sight, which although medically impossible according to a human standpoint, is definitely not an impossibility with God. I guess for the listeners, I want to simply encourage each of you to not lose hope for any kind of miracle you may be expecting, whether it's healing or otherwise, and no matter how impossible it may seem. Sometimes, granted, miracles don't happen as quickly as we would like, but as long as we're patient and we keep hoping, um, one thing that really helps me to remember is uh, that place in the Bible, I forget the reference, where it says um, a thousand years is like 
one day to God. And having said that, I'm sure that <laughs> I'll be receiving sight in sooner than a thousand years. <laughs> but uh, nevertheless, that verse encourages me to be patient and uh, also to remain productive. One thing I'm doing that's different is going more on the attack, I guess, in the Spirit, to pray more earnestly for this miracle, and uh, also receiving prayer from others, which I wasn't previously so open to. You know, I, I just know that even though I may not feel anything tangible in the physical at the moment, that doesn't mean God isn't working, and He does have His time, and I'm just going to keep on believing and meanwhile stay productive and patient. Can I ask you, Steve, because I'm, I'm curious, was there anything in particular that triggered this renewed faith for a healing miracle for your eyes? Um, well, it was, it was when somebody prayed for me for my, for my back last year, early last year, when I was having serious problems and thought I was going to have to go to a chiropractor, because um, they were so serious to the point where... Um, I had difficulty walking, and I couldn't lift anything. I couldn't do exercise like I used to, and I was, I was planning on going to a chiropractor to get it checked. But this person who prayed for me has great faith for healing and had also encouraged me to have more faith for the healing of my sight even before all this happened with my back. And she prayed for me. We've been, we were communicating online. She's in another country. Uh, but she prayed for me um, all the way from Europe, sent me a text message, a real powerful prayer for the healing of my back. And within 24 hours, the pain was gone and really hasn't come back since at all. And so that really got me thinking, wow, well, maybe the Lord is trying to open me up a bit more to his healing power through this first-hand experience. And it isn't that I hadn't experienced the Lord's healing touch in the past. You know, I've had colds and fevers and similar afflictions that um, eventually you always get better from. But this was really special because um, it started, the miracle began, although the healing didn't instantaneously take place or the the pain didn't instantaneously disappear. It started to do so, definitely started doing so right after the prayer. So that played a big part in my uh, believing for this miracle. And I just started to study the word and even familiar chapters like John 9, and um, even started hearing different testimonies of blind people that were healed. Some of the causes for the blindness was different with each person still that really encouraged my faith well i'm sure after this you can have a lot of our listeners also praying for you yes and their prayers would really be appreciated which is why i wanted to um, make that a point to share here i suppose another thing that gave me increased faith for this miracle was the fact that the lord had used me to be an instrument of healing for others quite a bit basically i felt his spirit showing me that's wonderful that you're willing to pray for others, but I want you to know that by my grace, through my love for you, you can reach out and tap into the power yourself. To be, to be uh, specific exactly, uh, one very big miracle that encouraged my faith was when 
In early March of this year, I prayed over Skype for someone in Mexico, who I used to know when I previously did mission work there, who had just gotten sick with Parkinson's and um, was wheelchair-bound for about four months. I prayed for her over Skype, and two days later, when I called her back to see how she was doing, she told me she'd gotten up out of the wheelchair and was now walking. So, so praise God. It's nightlight. What a delight. I think we have time for one more of your readings before we go. I originally was planning to read these articles myself, as I usually do, but then I thought, well, why not ask you as the author to read them? And you've done such a good job at it, especially considering your limitations. So thank you so much. And let's listen to the last article that you're going to share on this show, which is called Conquering Fear. Each one of us have fears to be conquered, and the best way to conquer them is to replace them with faith. Doing so is an ongoing journey, and this article tells of what I have learned on this journey so far. Who in this world can say they are completely exempt from fear? Most definitely not me. Fear, imaginary or legitimate, has knocked on my door countless times throughout my life. When I was a child, my mother often read me the following quote, When fear knocks at your door, send faith to answer it. I had a couple of incidents where faith not only answered the door, but also helped me conquer my fear. When I was little, I thought being in a swimming pool was the most awesome thing on earth. But I always stuck to the shallow end. The idea of launching out into the deep simply terrified me. Thanks to the encouragement and motivation of a handful of people who encouraged me that I could do it, the paralyzing fear left me when I realized I could float simply by holding my breath. I've learned to dog paddle and have since developed a love for the deep end of the pool. Another thing I feared as a kid was solitude. This fear was partially brought on by nightmares I had, in which I was alone in absolute total silence and was ambushed by imaginary villains. This fear was conquered through learning to hear from the Lord when in silent or solitary places. I now love and favor moments of solitude, and that fear is a thing of the past. In spite of the fact that I'm blind, dreams are very real to me. It's as if I live the same way I do in reality, with all my working senses except, of course, sight. This is why dreams have had such an impact on my imagination. When I was very small, I dreamed that I was taking a shower, and the water began to speak in a low, thunderous voice. It also started blowing out air that blew me far away. For a long time after that, I was terrified of taking showers. But after I overcame this ridiculous terror, I relished showers, and still do to this day. More recently, I have been made to face, and thus had the opportunity to overcome, my fear of failure. Since I always like to put my best foot forward and have my act together, I naturally dread failure, or mistakes of any kind. But I have recently discovered that some of the greatest lessons learned in my life were brought on by failure. This realization is teaching me to be open to failure and see it as the learning opportunity which it is. Although, of course, I never deliberately go looking for it, it is now much easier to accept it and move on. One of the things that helped me to overcome my fear of failure was sharing songs I had written with other people. I started composing songs when I was about 12. I loved singing them to myself, but sharing them with other people always scared me. As time went by, though, the Lord kept strengthening this gift. 
I began to share my songs with other people deciding not to care what others thought or said. Many of those who heard my songs were moved and encouraged by them, which in turn encouraged me. Now the fear I previously had in regard to this is totally absent. Are there still fears in my life to be overcome? Of course. As a matter of fact, it was while asking the Lord for His help with this very thing that I was reminded of all the past fears I had already overcome and was inspired to write this article. David Berg had much to say on this topic. Here are two of my favorite quotes of his. When fear displaces faith, then you've got problems. But if you cling to God and the Lord and His Word and replace fear with faith, then you have solutions. The other quote is, face your fears in the power of His Spirit on the promises of His Word and you cannot fail. The Apostle Peter did just that when he stepped out of the boat on a stormy sea. As long as he kept his eyes on Jesus, he stayed above the water. It was only when he paid more attention to the wind and waves than to Jesus that he began to sink. Being willing to face our fears and keep our eyes on Jesus is an unbeatable combination that will give you the power to overcome anything you might face. You too will walk on water. Like a candle in the night, it's nightlight. And thanks so much, Steve, for taking the time to be with us once again on Nightlight and for sharing your lessons and experiences in the words of your articles and songs. And we'll be praying with you for the Lord to give you sight. Anything else before we close? Well, I guess I just want to tell the listeners to keep doing the best you can to walk by faith. Don't worry about uh, how, however much or little you can see in the way of um, physical sight, whatever that means for you, whether it's um, knowing what, what your future will be or how your, your current situation is going to pan out or whether it's believing for a healing miracle, whatever it may be. Keep on walking by faith and believing and eventually believing will become seeing as you witness the miracle that you're praying and hoping for. So keep it up. Encouraging you how very dearly Jesus loves you. You're listening to Nightlight. Well, that brings us to the end of the show. Before we go, I'd like to remind you that if you go to Nightlight Shows on soundcloud.com, you'll find a playlist called Songs from Shows, and I'm posting the songs from each show there if you'd like to download them. And that will include the three songs that Steve shared with us on this program. Until next time, God bless and keep you, make you a blessing. Bye-bye.